Hello again, and welcome to the Gospel Boldly Podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We're your hosts, I'm Thomas Lemke. And I'm Pastor Eric Brown. Who is clearly bummed about the current score. I guess on Back to the Future Day, it is apropos that the Cubs would, well, maybe turn it all around or, or maybe not. I, I, I got to turn off the game to record after the first inning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna be in the scriptures, I'm gonna gonna have some some relief. I I'm gonna be afraid that I'm gonna have to look at George Borgart and <laughs> nod my head to his Mets team, even though that's just terrible. But 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 we'll get in the word. This will be better. This will so be, be it. better than giving up four stinking rims in the first inning, you <laughs> pack. All right, okay. <laughs> Welcome again to the Gospel Boldly Podcast. Enough sulking. Let's get into some scriptures. We're in John chapter 6, and, and we ended the last time going through the feeding of the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And, and we did go through it relatively quickly. Any just random feeding of the 5,000 notes? I'm not sure if the- we did touch on this or not, but... Isn't this one of the uh, few things that John shares in common with the synoptics? This shows up in every gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have them in. So yeah, this is really... Basically, this and, and Palm Sunday mm-hmm. are, are the only things that they all really... Well, then the crucifixion, but I mean... And resurrection. Well, yeah. I guess you could count Mark out of that, technically, but anyway. Uh, but Well, I mean... It's a matter of, really, this is basically the only non-Holy Week story. There might be one other that I can't quite place. But really, until you get to Holy Week, John doesn't worry about overlapping, Mm -hmm. except he does bring this one up. And part of it is he does use it as a springboard. Uh, if you would read Thomas, we'll 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 prime the pump this way. If you would read fourteen and fifteen, okay. When people, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, "This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world." Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. All right. So again, we have sign number three, right? Right. Uh, I, I think we're past three. I think we're oh, just I, into general signs at this point. We've night. stopped yeah, counting. We're, 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 we're in the uh, enough signs. There, there have been enough signs. And the people even see the sign. This one is fully open for everyone to see. This isn't just the wait staff at Cana. This isn't just the guy at the pool. Everyone sees it. <clears throat> And they recognize, hey, he is the prophet who is to come, the promised Messiah. This is the guy. But what's the problem? Perceiving they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew. They get that he is the Messiah. But what are they wanting from their Messiah? A reigning earthly king. They're wanting... They're wanting him to be the continual giver of awesome earthly blessings. Think about that. We're going to make you our king, whether or not you want to be our king or not, and you're going to keep giving us stuff. (laughs) Yet, is that what Jesus has come to do? No. 
No, he's come to win salvation. So what what you're seeing is there is this massive disconnect between what people want of Jesus and what Jesus has come to do. And that sets up everything, well, really everything else in the rest of the book. So. All right. All right. So moving on to 16 then? Yeah, let's start. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, we know that that basically Jesus kind of like skedaddles awake on the quiet. Mm-hmm. Just kind of left his disciples alone. Now, so what do they do? They decide, oh, you know what, let's go sail across the sea. Jesus wasn't with them. Just it, it, it stands out just kind of strange in John how that's just the, uh, I guess it's time to head across the sea. Um so it's just sort of the disciples are off on their own. Think of it this way. Imagine Jesus running off and the crowd running off trying to find him and all leaving the disciples alone. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, guess we better go to the other side. We'll meet him over there. <laughs> sure. we, we know what Jesus likes to do when he when he's at a place and does stuff, he moves on to the next one. So let's just, we'll, we'll just catch up with him there. Right. So... So they're off, and they are, are going across on the water. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, this is fascinating. It's a very strange, interesting way of telling the story. We're, we, we get other accounts of Jesus walking on water. I mean, this is one of the, the demonstrations that uh, of Jesus' true divine power. Um, I think we've brought it up before. What was the Jewish attitude toward water? Oh, it was the place of chaos and, and death. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. W- water for the Jewish folks was bad. In fact, this is one of the things to, to bring on up. The old enemies of the Jewish people were the Philistines. Mm-hmm. They lived by the coast. In fact, uh, a lot of people will think that the Philistines or their precursors or cousins include the Phoenicians, things like that. Uh, sometime before the Exodus, uh, Egypt was conquered by the Hyksos, who were often called the Sea Peoples, basically the, the kins of the, the Philistines. Jewish folks lived up in the mountains. I mean, you've got the shepherds, the hills of Zion, all that stuff. They didn't like the sea folks. They didn't like the sea. So so anything on the sea was a little... In fact, that's why even the fishers on the Sea of Galilee were... You wouldn't say they're crazy, but there's just that, that's an odd job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Mike Rowe did dirty jobs in ancient Judea, Fishermen would be one of the dirty jobs. <laughs> That's true. It, 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 it's just, so, so they're there. They're contending. They're they're out on the ocean and they're or ocean <laughs> out on the water, out on the lake, and they're helpless. And then Jesus shows up, and he says, "What does he say to he, to them?" Uh, refreshing my memory here, he says, "It is I. Do not be afraid." That's the English. Oh, no, Thomas he says, "Ego a me." <laughs> he says, "I am." 
he says, yeah, the, the God who was there at the Exodus, I am here. This is me. I am. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm here. And what happens? Boom. Gets in the boat. Immediately there. How very Markin. Well, well, think about though, because you get this beautiful analogy, this beautiful imagery of the disciples decide they're going to try and go and do it on their own. And what happens? Fighting a headwind. Ain't get nowhere. Fighting a headwind. They've been rowing. And you know what? It even looks like they're going to die. Yep. Nope. Hey, all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. It's me. I am. And we're there. Nice. So, I mean, it really is kind of a, a neat, just a refocusing on, it really is always all about Christ. Right. What he does. So. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Verse yeah. 22. All right. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. All right, so you had you had the group of the crowd keeping watch on Jesus. Jesus has been hiding, so we're, we're going to keep a lookout. And they had some guys watching the boats, and they never saw him get in the other boat. But but they can't figure out where he must be. So okay, we're we're getting, let's go. Let okay, we're all double back. We'll we'll check for him in Capernaum. Let us know, give chase. Yeah. If he disappears, that's probably where he's going to show up next. I mean, he's kind of making that that loop. That That's the next stop on the route, so we better go hightail it that way. Mm -hmm. And so they're in the boats. They're following after Jesus. The hunt is on. All right? All right. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, no, Jesus asked a question. Does he really answer it? Not per se. No, he, he no, no. You don't get to set the conversation. The, the 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 big point the big point at hand is not how I got here. I, I, I'm the son of God. I can kind of do what I want with getting around if I want to. But but the bigger issue at hand is why are you here? Why are you looking for me? Are you looking for me because you saw that which was miraculous? Or because you had a good snack? <laughs> what, what's your focus? What is your, your approach? Are you thinking of things spiritually or just everyday worldly? What, what are you after? What's your goal? What do you want? And the problem is, you guys want something wrong. You you, you missed the point. You're, you're, the, the, the feeding is to point to something higher. It's not the end goal itself, but mm -hmm. y'all aren't getting that yet. So be it. All right. Any <laughs> other thoughts there? No. All right. Uh, 27. Dive on in. Yeah. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And there, Jesus really kind of does spell it out. You're, you're looking at food where, yeah, you're looking for me because you ate yesterday and it was fun, but you're hungry again. 
and that's the way of of things in this fallen world. In fact, think about that, Thomas. Um, do we hear something about man eating bread and perishing, uh, even in Genesis three? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure the bread plays into it so much in Genesis three, but oh, it does. It does. Because remember, what's the punishment for Adam when he gets kicked out of the garden? Uh, working the ground by the sweat of his brow. Your brow by the sweat of the brow, you will eat bread. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, if I just gave you bread and it was all super awesome, you didn't have to work or anything like that. Well, that that would be partially undoing some of the consequences of the fall, but but that's only a partial one. The bigger one is that you die. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There, there's going to come a time when when we we don't have the sinful stuff that we do now. But but no, that that's not. It's not focusing on bread right now. You need to be looking at that which leads to eternal life, that which the Son of Man will give to you. Because again, this is it's not just me doing this. This is what God the Father wants. He didn't send me here to cater your dinner. He didn't actually send me here to bring the wine for the wedding or 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 build a better well than Jacob did. This is we're 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 here. I am here to bring about eternal life and salvation. And when we get back from the break, we're going to come across one of the most important verses in the entirety of the Bible. Wow, there's your hang, or there, your hook, rather. Yes. Tease. It's a, it's a tease, Thomas. Okay, that'll work. Oh, the Cubs. <laughs> And we are back here at the uh, Gospel Boldly podcast, and we are moving through John chapter 6. And we are at one of the most important verses in the scriptures. So, Thomas, if you would read verse 28, which sets it up, and then John six twenty-nine. Okay. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Okay. Working for food that doesn't perish, that working for eternal life, that sounds good. What should we be doing, Thomas? What, what should we be doing that we would be doing the works, plural, of God? So, so what are you going to tell us, Jesus? Is it, ooh, does it involve ritual hand-washing? Or maybe tithing a certain amount? Or, okay, probably both and then so so what are the holy hoops for us to jump through jesus so that we get <laughs> eternal life what ooh, oh wow Whew. well of course it's odd because jesus just said that he would give it to you but eh. what are the works that we must do and jesus says this is the work no singular okay work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent it's not about your works. It's not about a bunch of hoops jumping through. Here's the work of God. And it's actually the work that God does and brings about and accomplishes in you. To believe in the one he has sent. To believe in Jesus. This is key for understanding so much of what goes on in John. Because whenever you have, later on, in the rest of the whole chapter, when you have discourses or talks about works or doing things, what's the thing... That, that That is key. What's the work? Not doing stuff. Believing in Christ. 
looking at Christ, placing your trust in Christ and not yourselves. Because you can row across the lake all night long for all it's going to do you. Ooh, that was grammar. <laughs> Don't diagram that sentence. Actually, diagram that sentence. It's good for you. It, it's not up to your efforts, but rather, look, Christ appears I am, do not be afraid, and we're there. That's the way salvation works. Believe him when he says, don't be afraid. Believe him when he says, I am. That, that, that's the key. That's the thing. Believe in Jesus. That sounds like a, a pretty strong, powerful appeal to believe in Jesus. Definitely. Kind of, is that kind of the focus there? I would say yes, <laughs> very strongly. Are, are you ready for a Face palm moment. <laughs> Let's do it. 30 and 31. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. All right. Now, do you see how this is a face palm moment? Jesus, it's almost like they use the words that Jesus has used, mm -hmm. that they've heard him speak and then completely use them in the wrong way, wrong direction. Jesus says, you know, you, you, you didn't come here because of the sign that I already did. Here's the word of God to believe you, or believe in me. Why should we believe you? What sign do you do? You just saw the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> well, but, but we got man in the wilderness. So, Thomas, how did they get man in the wilderness? Every morning you wake up and there it is, strewn out across the, I suppose, countryside, or, well, desert side, right? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you pick it up and put it in jars and eat it through the course of the day, but don't keep it overnight because then it goes bad. Right. So basically it was the thing where for 40 years, because they were being punished, God provided them for 40 years with men in the wilderness. And it was there in the morning and you went out and you grabbed it. Yay, great stuff. Yeah. Um. Didn't Jesus just do something as miraculous right in front of them? Oh, absolutely. In fact, in some ways, I'd almost call it more miraculous because you saw something really, really strange happen. Yeah. The, the manna just started showing up. All right, God's moving the laws of it, what have you, da, 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 da. This is just weird what Jesus just done. Doesn't impress him. You know, Jesus, you fed us for a day. Moses fed him for 40 years. <laughs> how, how are you going to top that? What, what, what work are you going to do? How are you going to sweeten this pot to make us believe in you? Uh -huh. do you you're, you're laughing. Why are you laughing at that? Could this maybe be a backhanded appeal to become our king? You know, it's 40-year reign. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good term to serve. I don't know. Hmm. Roughly how long did uh, David and Solomon both reign? Well, I don't know about Solomon, but I think David was roughly about 40 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, part of that, I'm not sure, was over the, the combined kingdom. Part of it was just Judah, I think. But anyway, irrelevant. But, so, I mean, you get that that whole, they, they just swing and miss here. It, it's, it's boom. But, come on, Moses did it for 40 years. Step it up, Jesus. <laughs> if we're supposed to believe in you, step it up. Yep. All right, if you would do 32 and 33. Okay. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, eh, page turn, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
guys, quit trying to compare me to Moses. It wasn't what Moses did. God did it. So, so first of all, don't even try to, to pull rank or anything like that. But rather, think about this. There's something better. Your manna as bread went, yeah, sure, it was sweet, but you didn't know what it was. Mana, what is it? That, that's literally <laughs> what mana means. True. No, no. Instead of just the thing that you can't figure out what it is, you're going to get the true bread from heaven, the bread that actually will give life to the whole world. That's where your focus should be. That's what you should be looking at. Mm -hmm. Woohoo! Oh, comes down from heaven. Oh, well, well, well. yeah, Jesus is talking about himself here. And they say to him, in verse 34. Sir, give us this bread always. Now, think about this. When they say this, give us this bread always, this parallel, this does parallel what happened with the Canaanite woman. Or Very not much Canaanite, so. the Samaritan, Samaritan woman. Yeah. Because, oh, living water? Oh, oh, come, come give me that water. Yeah. And what did Jesus do then? He, he confronts her sinfulness. She repents. She believes. She has faith. She receives living water. Right. All right. Jesus comes up next. All right. You, you want the bread always? Here we go. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever welcomes, oh, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. All right, we'll pause there. All right. You know, what are you looking for? Me. I, I, I'm the one that, I, let me spell this out for you. I am the one who comes down from heaven to win you life. And and you know what? I, I will give you myself always. We, we can jump to the end of, of Matthew. How does that end? Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and lo, I'll be with you always. Woohoo! All right, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, you will get this, but but again, we're not talking about King Hawaiian sweet rolls or anything like that here. We're we're talking about life <laughs> and salvation. All right. I do like those sweet rolls. Yes. Okay. Or did at one point in time enjoy. Yeah, I'm, you're you're gluten intolerant, Matt. Yeah. Oh, good night. It's oh, a distant memory, well, but I loved them. That, that could be a dangerous tangent to go on. We'll avoid that. <laughs> All right. So keep on reading if you would. Dive back in. Okay. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. All right. This is the point. I've come to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is to give you guys life. God really does want you guys to live. I mean, this is, this is, he's not sitting around bored saying, oh, well, yeah, I guess we can save people. Ah, oh, Jesus, I wasn't planning to do anything for the next few years. How, how, how do you feel about becoming incarnate and bringing salvation? <laughs> no, this, this, is, this is God's plan from the beginning. And, and Jesus just laying it out. Listen. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Just sit back, relax, believe in me, and stop trying to make it all about yourself. Rather, look at what God wants. Not what you want, what God wants. Because trust me, what God wants is good for you. 
All right, all right, mm -hmm. all right. Now, he does say I'll top you on Moses, though, if you think about it. Can you think of a story from the time in the wilderness where there involves something, uh, everyone looking upon something uh, they live? Yeah, the one's we, not we got that a couple chapters ago with the, the snake on a pole, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So he plays off of that again. Look. All these things that happened with, with Moses, the Exodus, all that type of stuff, they're all pointing forward to me, guys. This is the fulfillment. I'm the point. I'm the point. Yeah. All right. This should be great. Now, can't, uh, Samaritan woman, mm -hmm. when Jesus starts going all super awesome, her response is, great. I believe. Woohoo! She's happy, joyous, yeah. excited. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you would read 41 and 42. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And what do they do? They grumble. What? Okay, okay. He's off on a head trip. We, we know his family. His dad, Joseph, made made a table for my Aunt Bettina, or whatever the <laughs> Jewish equivalent of Bettina. Aunt Hadassah. Come on. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? And so you get this utter disdain. They just see Jesus utterly physical. They... They have no idea of his incarnation. They, they assume he's just another schmo. Now, he might be able to do some cool stuff with bread and stuff, and, and, and he might make a great king, but he's still just another schmo. And so if he says something I don't like, I can just kind of blow it off and grumble. Right, right? Because, I mean, think about this. They're going from wanting to make him king to, I don't know, he said he's the bread from heaven. What does he mean he came down from heaven? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, Thomas. All right. Mm -hmm. Just think about it this way. How many kings and emperors have claimed to be divine, or at least partially divine? Oh, Humanly gosh, innumerable. Even if they just assumed that he was just acting like a normal earthly king, there's a good chance that he might have said, oh, yeah, I, they shouldn't be, this is nothing to really grumble about. Right. Even even if they don't get the profundity of it, even if they don't get the, the, the fact that Jesus really is true God and true man. Okay, King Saini sent there by God. Come on, that, that that shouldn't throw you off. I mean that though we we used to talk and believe in the divine right of kings when we had kings before we rebelled. I mean so instead of hearing the mysteries of God and rejoicing and receiving and, and doing the work of God, uh, believing in him, what do they choose to do? Meh. Meh. Eh. I, I, I don't know about this. I don't know how divine he is. I, I tried to take his sister out to prom the one year and she turned <laughs> me down and went with, 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 with Josephus instead. <laughs> I mean, do, do you get, it almost becomes super petty we we know the guy super familiar eh, i mean it is familiarity breeding contempt of the highest scale yeah 
So no, no, we we can't see any mystery. We can't see any wonder. We can't see anything grand. We're just going to write you off, Jesus. How's that going to go for the uh, the the tenor of this conversation? It's going to drag it down a notch, I'm afraid. Yeah, and, and it's going to get a little bit more and more intense and more and more intense. Because when Jesus speaks the truth, not everyone likes it. Yeah. Well, up next, we will speak some truth in the Inquisition, hopefully. Sweep the leg. <laughs> part of the show that we lovingly call the Inquisition, where we will put each other to the test, or y'all can put us to the test by sending us questions via Facebook or via our Twitter page or however you want to get it on, and we'll gladly take them. Mm-hmm. I'll even get one person for Thomas, as I, I did today. But but Thomas, I want you to ask first. I'm okay. saving my question for the end. Sure. My question. It's been said, I've heard, uh, that God has a sense of humor. I want to ask you, agree or disagree, and why? Give some backup. <laughs> uh, wow. This is, this, this is one of those questions whereby you can get yourself into trouble. <laughs> yes, I think God has a sense of humor. Why? Well, what? Humor brings joy, and mm-hmm. God tends to have, like, a lot of joy. Um, I will definitely say that, that John had a sense of humor, yeah, as it comes out, because there are parts of of John's gospel that are just really kind of humorous, or uh, or or even you know what's kind of funny this way too, God talking to Job when Job's yeah. complaining, and God walks up and says, "All right, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth?" That's kind of a smarmy, sarcastic answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean that 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 is God kind of. Duh! Come on, come on, Job. Yep. So, Good old natured so ribbon. When you do see that interaction, when when you when you look at the Word of God, there there's humor in it. So I would fully expect that that God would have a sense of humor, a sense of joy. Now, it is a perfect humor and a perfect joy. Can our humor often be off, twisted, warped, or what have you? Yes, absolutely. Can, can our humor often be condescending or hurtful? For sure. I mean, this is so. So, I, when I say God has a sense of humor, I I, I don't mean he, he 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 likes to pick on people or anything like. That. But but <laughs> there there is that God would delight in irony. God would delight in things that are are silly, but that's the way they work. I mean that that's. So yes, I I would imagine that God would find delight in a lot of the good humorous things that we find funny. 
Does does that work for you? Yep, absolutely. All right, all right. <laughs> Gauntlet Whew. passed. All right, okay. So, Thomas, as I was coming back home tonight, I decided I did not want to make up a question for you. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, at Trinity and Hersher, the uh, the kids, younger kids, were doing the uh, the hand chime choir. Huh. So I walked up to them and I said, what should I ask Thomas for the podcast tonight? And one gal, one of the youngest ones there, ended up saying, what is faith? What exactly is faith? Because when you think about it, we, we use that word quite a bit. It's just one of the things that we, we oh yeah, we use faith, 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 faith. Um, this Sunday in the three-year reading, the, the lesson, it's the healing of Bartimaeus. Go, your faith has made you well. All right, we, we, the word gets tossed around. What is faith actually? And I ask this with a, with a I don't know, maybe a, an ear, a bit of the mind remembering that, that we use a lot in church, but how does the world use faith? And how do, how do what we as Christians talk about as faith differ from what the world speaks of or thinks of when it thinks of faith? Hmm. Okay, that's a lot to take apart, but I would start, as far as a Christian's concerned, what faith is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oh, quoting scripture, very good. <laughs> I figure. Um, so as I would parse that, you know, of course, faith being the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, evidence in the sense that it is the putting of trust in that which is not obvious or evident. Jesus and Thomas, my namesake, as luck would have it, is probably a good example of this, where Jesus speaks to him saying, you know, blessed is he who, I can't even remember the exact quote, but... Do you believe because you have seen, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Right, right, exactly. Well, we'll get there in a few chapters, folks. So we as Christians then see faith as coming to us through the word mediated by the Holy Spirit, right? Where we hear and believe through the power of, of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Um, now, when it comes to the world and having faith, I think it often gets, I, hmm, it often gets turned into a more childish thing in one of two ways. On the one hand, you have the skeptic turning it into a childish thing. Oh my gosh, you can't prove that X, Y, or Z in, in rational materialistic terms. Um, well, then clearly, you know, your faith is just a substitute for an irrational intellect. Substitute word, maybe. On the oh. other hand, it can be turned into a more childish thing by those who who take it unto themselves but believe in obviously ludicrous things um, or things contrary to the faith and the truth and the Christianity and all that stuff. So, for instance, somebody who believes that... Uh, when they die, they're going to go to a place where, I don't know, that's the wrong tangent. I probably can't get too far down that. But there's all <laughs> kinds of, I mean, think of, and our listeners can, I'm sure, name off a dozen off the top of their head, the weird beliefs that you encounter in school. You know, you see this person who believes that all is one and whether in a Hindu sense or whether in a just, oh yeah, we're all just part of some computer game and somebody's playing us. Okay. Okay. So, so on the one hand, you have the skeptic who says uh, your 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 talk of faith is just a denial of objective reality that we can see, measure, touch, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, 
you have folks who treat faith almost as a matter of, I'll just believe whatever I want. I will. Here's the happy dream that I would like to be real. Yeah, exactly. That, Which that's what, maybe is a a worldly uh, take or a worldly example of taking up the whole word faith heresy and things like that, where it's just ah, whatever I believe, that's my reality. So it, it becomes watered down and and weirded out in in both of those ways in the world's purview. So then, over and against those two, what what really is the Christian idea of of faith? I'm not sure I can dig down into that any better than St. Paul in the Hebrews text I cited, other than to say that our faith has both components of rationality to it on the one hand, and maybe a bit of the fantastic on the other hand. There's there's a piece of both of those, I guess the dichotomy that I was mentioning a while ago, that that it does have, but in a very grounded, um, grounded way. I'm not sure if that was very well stated, but that's <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that that I think comes up is the Christian faith is not illogical. Yes, that's what it, I'm trying it, to get to. On the one hand, nor is it just made up and creative. Right. Rather, we we have an evidence for our faith. We have a a set of groundwork. Hey, Thomas, what have we been spending the rest of the previous part of the show studying? The actual text of scripture, it's, it's historical, it's spiritual, it's everything at once. The, the word of God is what informs our faith, what shapes what we believe. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of self-creation. So I think that is something that, that I, I, I think we can go for that faith. The faith is that, what, that which we have learned to believe from the word of God. Bottom line. That work? Yeah. All right. Cool. Excellent. Wow, that was a, that was a. A good one. <laughs> yeah, I was deeper so, than than I normally think in in those terms. I'm gonna follow it up with one other thing. Okay. Uh, with, with that, how often when when talking to other folks can we even forget that they might not even have a good concept of things that are so familiar to us? I mean, I, I'm assuming that that your typical Lutheran listening listening to a Good Higher Things podcast is well. Versed in the idea, versed in the idea that, <laughs> that that you know, as Christians, we pay attention to what the Word of God says, mm-hmm. and yet, for a lot of discussions on faith out in the world, even when people use that word faith, they have no no concept of basing their faith upon any type of d- divine revelation in the Word. Right. So it, I don't know how how does that what what now nah, this is blah. <laughs> That was that was eloquent. It, it seems like that would just be one of the the frustrating things to remember, and probably ponder the the thing with your Columbo technique. What what exactly do you mean by faith? What when you're complaining about this, or or when you're bringing up faith, what what actually are you talking about? Yeah, so. no, you're right. Definitions become key at that point. There's a lot that can be taken for granted when you start using some of these terms if they're not well defined. <sighs> My Cubs are down. I just looked; it was six nothing. Have and you lost your say, faith in them? <laughs> You've got to have faith. Well, I, I can have hopes. I don't have faith. Yeah, or, right. At least the Cubs. So, all right. Oh, this well, is dour. I am wearing my Cubs uniform. My uniform. My Cubs shirt. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, with four minutes left, then, how do you want to proceed here? Another all couple right. verses. Let me stop. All right. Actually, 
let's try to get through verse 51. Well, we're coming up we'll, on we'll 43 and then, okay. You read 43 for, through uh, 44. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. Actually do 45 and 46. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Now note, what does Jesus point to there? Um, it I, is written in the... Ah, yes, the prophets. Again, this is the, the... What Jesus says here and what's pointing out is he's not doing something incredibly new. This is all the messianic stuff. What should have been shaping your messianic fervor, your messianic expectations, weren't your own pipe dreams, weren't your own hopes and visions, but rather what had the word of God said? God had told you what the Messiah was going to do. How come you're not looking at the Messiah in terms of what God had said? Rather, you're looking at him in terms of your own wild and crazy, stupid expectations and even grumbling about him when, when he's doing what God told you. He was going to do. Mm-hmm. You said that now kind of dovetails in with our, our little Inquisition conversation. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So you, you do get this beautiful thing. Come on. Don't grow. Quit grousing. This is the deal. I told you I was going to work. And, and now you're freaking out. What, what, what the deuce, man? What the deuce? <laughs> so. All right. All right. And do 44. Uh, again? I mean, sorry, 47. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Again, it's not about your works. It's not about all the hoops you have to jump through. Believe, and there's life. Wherever there is belief, wherever there is faith, there's life. Life and faith go hand in hand. Wherever there's belief, there's the forgiveness of sins. Wherever there's the forgiveness of sins, there's life and salvation. This is good stuff. Don't grumble over it, guys. In fact, 48 and 49. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. <laughs> don't, don't ask me to top what your, parent, your, your ancestors got. They died in the wilderness. Do you know why they died? Because they didn't believe God. God Ba-boom. said, look, here's the promised land. It's great. Go on in. It's awesome. <laughs> Believe and you will have life in the promised land. And the 12 spies went in and two came back and said, yeah, it's great. Joshua and Caleb, yeah. And the other times said, no, it's bad. And the people didn't <laughs> believe God. And what happened? They died. If they had believed, they would have had the promised land. Yay. Dude, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and died. Quit wanting the manna stuff. Rather, believe. Just listen to me. Believe me, people. All right. Do 51, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll close it up there. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Here it is. I'm the promised Messiah. I'm going to suffer and die for the world. In fact, I'm dropping that whole ego in me. I am, I am, I am stuff. This is, I, I, I'm telling you that I am God here to bring you salvation with my own life. Come on, guys. It's good. 
are they going to buy it, Thomas? Nope, 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 nope. Uh, and fat, are they going to grumble even about the important things? Yep. Well, no, they're going to pick the least important stuff Jesus talked about. <laughs> That's so we'll get to that next time, all right? Ooh, Sounds that, good. That's a tease. They don't even grumble right, man. Come on. <laughs> get it together. So, all right. You guys have a good week. Send nice, consoling emails to me if they're needed. See you or, next time. We should know by by this time tomorrow when our episode goes up. Well, hopefully, hopefully it'll be another game tomorrow. Otherwise, enjoy listening to the podcast without ball games on. Yeah. <laughs>